0: Hey, hey, Peter, come here. I gotta tell you something. Had this kind of thing. I was with the prayer, and then Satan actually came to me. He said, "Oh my gosh, Lord, Satan." Yeah, Satan came to me, and he he asked he asked a favor. And I, yeah, yeah. What did he say? He he wants to sift you like wheat. Oh no, nah. yeah. You told yeah. You get what you do. You punched him, right? You did the thing. <clears throat> Shh. I prayed. What do you mean you prayed? Well, you prayed and you rebuked him. I prayed that your faith wouldn't fail. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, you're, you're actually, you're up. You're the, you're the headliner. You're on the card. You got to get the gloves on. You got you to gotta go toe to toe. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because you're made to win. I believe in you. I believe in you and I've prayed for you. I'm, hey, you saw me whoop up on the devil while I was here. Now it's your turn. We have been preaching a gospel that is focused on man. Man's sins, what man must do to be saved, what man must do to overcome his own weakness. They come looking for a God-centered gospel that brings freedom, but they aren't finding it because it's centered on what they must do. And it's not working, so they leave. Leave the church, leave the faith, leave God. This whole time though, the solution is simple: return to a gospel centered on Jesus. This alone will revive us from within and awake the sleeping giant that is the global church. What began as a simple gospel has turned into a brave movement. It's not starting, it's already begun. It's not about getting Christians back into the church about reviving the church through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And what is the result? A company of burning hearts ready and willing to transform the world.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the Braveheart podcast. It's Wesley here, and I want to welcome you to this season that we're calling the Gospel on the Move where we're diving into what it's looked like for us to live out this gospel message as a ministry and as a family and even as individuals. In this episode, Peter coaches us on how to win this fight that we're facing as Christians. I have never heard Peter so clearly coach and train us like this before. So put on your training clothes and let's get started.
0: Good morning, everybody. Having my good friend Wade bring his cross up here this morning. Give you a little bit of insight to where we're gonna be. This is my friend Wade, say hey Wade. Wonderful man of God, uh, just a son of the house and one of my dear brothers. And he has a ministry called Christ Reward. Uh, And among many things that he does, number one, equipping the church in evangelism, uh, he travels with this cross around the world right? Around the world. States, yeah. Mostly the states. He's in the, the middle of an assignment from the Lord to carry this cross to all 50 states. Um, and he's just got incredible testimonies. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to honor him publicly for his faith. He just got back from Salem, North Carolina, um, Massachusetts, um, and, and was in the heart of a bunch of witchcraft and witches and
2: Tell, tell them So we, we were uh, in Salem, Massachusetts On Halloween And there happened to be A Salem witch circle That was happening And I've never been doing anything like that But uh, we were there with the cross And uh, There's probably 250 people Across the globe that are Would categorize themselves as witches Came together and did a little circle Outside of Salem Or in Salem And uh There I was with the cross. And uh, so anyways, we didn't know what to do. There was a guy with me through a wild series of events. He says, I feel like I'm supposed to run into the center of this circle with the cross. (laughs) I'm I'm thinking this is the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. And uh, it's just one of those things when it happens too quick, it's just happening. And so he grabs the cross, runs into the center of the circle with 250 witches. And I just felt my heart. As soon as he took the cross, Jesus sent him out two by two. I said, I'm not letting him go by himself. And uh, so I just literally followed the cross that I typically carried. I just walked right behind it. And next thing I know, he's standing in the middle with 250 witches. And they're not happy. And um, they said a bunch of things. They circled us and they attacked us, and ultimately the police were there as well. There was probably 30 police from the city of Salem there, and they were asking the, the, the police to escort us off, but because they were attacking us, the police then protected us. Um, and so we had a, a, a wall of police. We had witches circling us, and then this is the encouraging part, and I'll even encourage you today. And I feel like purpose of even him doing that was ultimately 12 other believers out of the blue came and stood with us. Um, and uh, they prayed with us, they stood with us, and they looked at us and they said, we're so glad you guys are standing because we're not gonna leave if you don't leave. And uh, that's my encouragement to you today, is, is you, know, you may not be running into a witch circle, but you may feel like that at work, you may feel like that in your job, you may feel surrounded, But I'm confident when one person takes a stand, many others will follow. Uh, You'll see many others get a backbone with you and stand for the Lord. And um, sometimes it just takes one person shining their light. And so I was just telling Peter the last time I had the cross was on Tuesday with 250 witches cursing us. And today it's being blessed. Glory to God. So um, I'm just thankful for you guys. And um, yeah, so Jesus, I do. I pray for each of us today that that we need that backbone, we need that courage to stand in all arenas of life. Uh, God, I pray today that even as people leave and they go into their work week, I pray for some to have that courage to stand and proclaim your name, to walk in righteousness, to share you, to share the hope of Christ to the world around them. And I pray that other believers come with them, they stand with them. I pray that they don't know, they don't feel alone, but God, that you give them at least one, give them two, give them 12, 12 other people to stand with them in the days to come, in their neighborhoods, and their jobs, in their families, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. Give it up for Wade. <clears throat> <clears throat>
0: I travel with kids, and that's uh, awkward, but this is very awkward uh, to travel with. And even this morning, we were trying to figure out where this would go, and there was no good place for it. Um, and so it's intentionally, awkwardly here before us as a reminder um, and for our hearts. And so I love what Larissa shared. Um, two things she shared I think were really profound and tease up the message this morning. Number one, uh, we're in a fight, and we're gonna talk about that this morning. Uh, but number two, what she ministered through communion, um, we need to go back and pay attention um, to that John chapter 8 narrative. Um, it is timely for us. Um, the power of forgiveness um, is beautiful. And I think we need to explore it as a church. And so we're going to dive into that this morning. So just put your hand on your heart um, as a way of, of um, it's just a touch point. And you're just going to say, you know, pray with me, say, Father, would you teach me the way of the cross? Amen. Amen. So <clears throat> I, love to, I love to preach, I love to teach, um, I love to minister to people, but as I was praying for this weekend, um, I felt like God um, wanted me to put on my, my coach hat. Uh, I like to coach, I used to play soccer, and so um, I, I like coaching, I, I understand coaching, and I know for church, some of us don't come to church to be coached or to be trained. Um, a lot of times, uh, well, coaches can do a number of things. They can inspire you. We could come here and I could inspire you. And, and ins- inspiration is really good. Um, but inspiration is not a good diet if that's all you're getting in your faith. If you're not trained and yet you're inspired, you're going to keep going into the fight and you're going to keep losing. think about it. If you constantly get inspired and yet you're not trained to win, then you're going to be discouraged because you keep going back in, but you keep getting beat up. I remember last summer I was in South Africa. We were on a mission trip and my buddies wanted to take me out on on the fishing ski. So it's like a little canoe that you launch into the waves and then you go fishing beyond the waves. Well, the surf was really rough and I'm not a water guy. And so I start, I start paddling, and you can imagine what would happen. The surf just flipped the canoe into the sand I went, and so I was like, okay, and I dust myself off, and I try again, I try a second time, and this time the canoe comes back to shore, and I'm sitting there defeated, and the canoe is sideways, kind of like this cross, and a wave comes and just just smashes the canoe into my shins, and I do like the soccer dive, and it like rakes my shins, I'm bleeding, and... And it was awful. Like I went to go fishing. I was inspired to fish. I was thinking, man, I'm gonna catch big fish, and I ended up just licking my wounds um, because I wasn't trained and prepared with all of that. And I'm just aware, I'm aware that there is so much sorrow happening in the body of Christ that 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 we need to be trained and equipped to fight this battle that we're in. Like we need training. When you go to training, you come differently. Like when I would go to soccer training, I would come in and I'm, I'm not necessarily looking to be inspired. I'm looking for the coach who knows how to play the game to give me things to do that I can practice that are mundane, that make me sweat, that make me sore, that make me tired, that make me, that stretch me, that, that pull me. Why? Because I know that I'm in a fight. I know that I'm gonna go play in a game, a real game, and I wanna be able to win that game. Now I feel like I'm going to say some things this morning and I you may leave church this morning feeling some kind of way. You may you may leave feeling like sweaty and stretched and sore and I just want to tell you that's not bad. Oh, six of you. <laughs> Let me just let's just open our Bibles and we'll hop in that way Matthew chapter 16 verse 24 We'll start there. Matthew 16:24. <clears throat> say amen when you're there. Yes. Then Jesus told his disciples, "If anyone, say anyone, yes. if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Everyone say his cross. cross. If anyone would come after me, said Jesus, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So the, the invitation is to those who would come after Jesus. And I'm I'm trusting and believing that we're here on a Sunday morning at Upper Room, in the overflow, even watching online, that you're here connected because you're saying, I'm following Jesus. True, Are we, are, are we there? I need to know if we're on the same page. Are we here following Jesus? Okay, so if we're following Jesus, then there is a path that he's on. For whoever, verse 25, would save his life. Say save his life. life. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Watch this, verse 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? So Jesus is saying, hey, you're going to follow me. I need you to do three things. Number one, I need you to deny yourself. (laughs) You guys are like, wow, this just went right in. Yes, we're in. Because this is the foundation of the Christian faith, is to deny yourself. And if you start to wrestle with that, it's good. You know why? Because every answer of the wrestle of what Jesus did, his life, it points to this cross. This is the answer. So we're gonna spend about 20 minutes on the question and about 20 minutes on the answer, amen? But we need to ask the right questions. We're not asking the right questions. We're not prepared. I'm convinced we're not ready for this battle that we're in. I'm convinced. There is shaking coming. There is tribulation coming. And if we are not founded on the rock, your faith will fail. We, 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 you you can't just you can't just be in neutral. You we were made to live on offense. You weren't made to live on defense. You weren't made to live in reaction to sin and to the fall of man. You weren't made to react to sin. You were made to react to him. So the Bible speaks of a fight. Do we all know? Do I need to preach this? We are in a fight. Now, if there is a fight and God's involved, I want to say something that I believe may be revelatory in this room. You and I, as Christians, as sons and daughters of God, were made to win. Losing, I want to say a word, but I'm not going to say it to offend. Losing doesn't feel nice. Hear me, losing doesn't feel nice. It's painful. If you care about the fight, losing is painful. If you care, losing is really painful. And I think a lot of us as believers, we're consistently losing the fight. We're losing the fight. And so we live with pain, we live with sorrow, we live with a constant sense of defeat. Why? Because we don't know how to fight. But when you, when you learn by the Spirit, the way of Jesus, this is our victory. There is victory. I want to tell you, there is victory over sin. There is victory over the flesh. There is victory over the world. There is victory over the devil. There is victory over disappointment. There is victory. There is victory. And like, what, is, what does victory mean? Victory means you win. It means it comes against you, and yet you're still there alive in God. Victory means your heart doesn't grow stale and cold. Victory means that you're in love with God, you're in love with the people of God, and your heart is burning for mission for the lost to know him. That's what winning looks like in the kingdom. So he says, listen, I need you to do two things, three things. You need to deny yourself. And we're gonna talk about that. You need to pick up your cross. See, we're fine Jesus having a cross, but Christians don't get to just have Jesus have a cross. His cross was meant to become our cross. What is the cross? What is the cross? What does it mean to pick up your cross? This cross represents the greatest injustice that the world has ever known, injustice, What does that mean means something happened that wasn't right it wasn't fair shouldn't have happened but it did happen it was an atrocity the perfect sinless spotless lamb of god see we don't we're not familiar with the atrocity in the injustice of the cross We think Jesus and the Father and the Spirit, they just made this transaction with the injustice and they're like, they're going to handle the injustice. But the problem is, is he invites us to enter into the life of the cross, which means what? It means when injustice happens to you and you call yourself the name of Christian, it was the expectation if you're following him that you would actually pick up the injustice and continue following Jesus, What does it mean to pick up the injustice? It means that you you embrace this as Jesus embraced this. And what did he do when he embraced this? In the height of the injustice, he opened his mouth to people who were presently doing the injustice with no promise that they would repent. They, They had not said, I'm sorry, Lord, we're crucifying you. They had not done anything worthy of forgiveness. They have not done anything worthy or proving that they were going to stop doing what they were doing, which was crucifying the Son of God. And the way of the cross looked like this. In that moment, in the height of rebellion, injustice, sin, human flesh, the Father, through the Son, he says this, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And in a moment, he teaches us to deal with injustice. He's teaching, he's training us. Do you know the power in that confession? The moment I don't know that we got this. When he said, Father, forgive them, he made a way for them to receive what he was doing. I want you to hear this. Had he not interceded on their behalf, they never could have come to salvation. Had Jesus withheld forgiveness on the cross, it would have, it would have not mattered that he died on the cross think about it he had to forgive in order for what was taking place to be shed abroad into their heart so murderers those who murdered which by the way is us we they were now given access to newness of life how through forgiveness that's true biblical forgiveness. True biblical forgiveness in the church isn't, I'm going to forgive them when they prove that they're not going to do it again. That is from the world. And we've got to, we've got to cut it out of the church. I'm, I'm, I'm zealous. Why? Because it's killing us. It's killing us. We have a human justice system operating in the church that's founded upon the cross. And I realize what I'm saying to you. I realize, I understand this is offensive. The Bible says it's offensive. The offense of the cross, it's offensive. It's not, it, it, the world does not understand this. It's offensive. And it was intended to offend us to bring us into life. It's okay if you're offended. When you're offended, you're realizing that yourself. Is big. The cross reveals yourself. The cross reveals Adam. The cross reveals the nastiness, the grotesqueness of Adam, what Adam had become, the first Adam. The cross reveals the depravity of man without God. Yet simultaneously, it reveals the love of God and teaches us to walk like Christ. Oh, I feel the zeal of the Lord. 1 Timothy 6.12, I'm going to train you this morning. 1 Timothy 6.12, are you guys ready? I got my soccer shoes on. (laughs) I'm ready. 1 Timothy 6.12, Paul writing to his spiritual son, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I want you to hear this language. These these words have become dull and meaningless to us in these days. Saying, I want you to fight. Wake up and fight. Wake up and fight, Timothy. Take hold of the eternal life. See, we're like, oh, I'm thankful for eternal life. No, 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 that's not how it works. You need to wrangle that thing. You need to take hold of it in the spirit. Why? Because someone's trying to snatch you out of it. A, a, A fight speaks of an opponent. We have an opponent... We have an opponent and there's rules in the game. And I'm gonna talk about the opponent and the rules of the game, but we need to know and be aware and sober-minded that we are in a fight. 2 Timothy 4, 7, just one page over. This is Paul. This is, this is a man. This is a man who, who won some, He won some battles. This man won some battles. I want to just paint a picture of a a Christian who won some battles. This man was stoned to death at Lystra. He was carried, he went, you know, carried his cross to Salem and he was stoned to death. Come on. Paul was on his missionary journey and they reject him and they stone him to death and they dragged him out of the city, supposing Paul was dead. And his disciples gathered around him, lifted him up, and they were like, you would think Paul's like, hey, we're done here. Let's, let me go take a little sabbatical. This mission ground is hard. And he gets up and he goes to the next town and he goes, I'm going to go preach the gospel some more. Why? Because he knew how to win in God. He knew that you could get stoned to death and you could continue your ministry. Why? Because he wasn't living for himself. His ministry wasn't about him. His life wasn't about him. He didn't, he didn't sit down and take a pity party and go, man, these guys, they, they persecuted me and they rejected me. He didn't do that. Do you know why? Because the man wasn't living for himself. How? How did that happen? He embraced the cross. He was trained in the way of the cross. Do you know how liberating and intoxicating and massively joyful it is to be liberated by the cross of Christ and no longer live for yourself? This is This is the issue before us. To the extent that you're anxious and miserable and heavy and weighed down is to the extent that you're living for yourself. I'm I'm, I'm not being harsh. I'm trying to give you insight into the battle. It's the self. It's the self, the battleground. It's trying to get you on yourself. When when Peter said to Jesus was going, I'm going to the cross. Jesus tells Peter, he goes, hey, I'm going to die. And Peter, who just confessed the Christ, Matthew 7, 16, 17, around there, he just confesses the Christ. He gets this incredible revelation. He's like the man. He's the man of the hour. Peter, you did it, man. You got the revelation. You nailed it. And in the next breath, Jesus is like, I'm going to go to the cross. And Peter's like, no, you're not. And Jesus is a savage. He looks at his friend, and he goes, He looks at his friend. People think he looked past his friend. No, he looked at his friend. He goes, you get behind me, Satan. What? Can you imagine? He's like the man. And then the next moment, listen to this. He goes, get behind me, Satan. And then listen to Jesus' commentary on Peter's comment. He says, he doesn't say you're full of witchcraft and darkness and incantations. He says, you have on your mind the things of man. Not the things of God. And so the devil operates through the things of man. See, when when your mind is set on man, it's when the devil is now operating. Oh, rabashe kere, I feel the Lord. This is a revelation. He doesn't say, oh, look at you, You, you're a witch, you've been doing incantations. No, he says your mind is on the flesh. Your mind is on man. And we just casually think that we can just be like... We weren't taught. We weren't trained to handle ourselves. And we need training. 1 Timothy 4, 6 to 8. Oh, I, I forgot to mention 4, 7. Paul says this. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What a statement. Old and gray And he gets to the end of his ministry, and he's like, this is a statement. This is a confession of his own strength, of his own bravado, of his own spirituality. No, 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 no. It's a confession of the grace of God. He says, I've fought this faith. Paul made of his own self. He goes, I worked harder than all of those apostles. (laughs) He goes, but it wasn't me. It was the grace of God in me. Everything Paul did was fueled by the grace of God. Why? Why? Because he lived in response to the love of God. He lived in response to Jesus' grace towards him. This keeps turning off. I'm sure someone could help me. First Timothy four uh, six through eight. Look at this. Oh uh, no, I'm sorry. First Timothy yeah, four, six through eight. Look at this. This is this is Christian talk. I know we love, we love ministry, we love when God touches us and heals us, but we need a time to be trained. We need to, we need to renew our minds. We need to actually crave training. We need to crave someone to go, hey, you know what, I actually love the, the ministry and the moment and the inspiration, but we need an appetite for training. We need an appetite. We need to renew our mind on how we come to church. We need to put our athletic gear on. Maybe one, maybe one Sunday we just come all in our athletic gear ready with tennis shoes, running, we're like, like, I don't know, I don't work out, but you need to work out your faith. I'm so serious. If you come here just to be inspired, your Christian life will only be good as your touch point with me or with Michael or with Larissa. That's not a Christian faith. You need to be trained for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Come on, look at this. If you put these things, Timothy, before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith. Being trained in the words. Trained in the words. What do you mean trained in the words? It means you know how to speak and respond to sin, to the world, to the devil. You're not confused. You're not, it's not your idea. Well, you know, this thing happened in the world, and this sin happened, and now we're going to share our idea. No. Your opinion is worthless. We need to be trained in the words of the faith. Do you know what that means? It means that Christians were all meant to talk a certain way. People talk about Christianese. Praise God, we need some Christianese. We need one language to respond to the world, to the flesh, to the devil. But now we have all these opinions to the world, to the flesh, and then we're looking, well, let me get another opinion. You don't need an opinion. You need the words of the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ once and for all delivered to the saints. Come on. There is a way when you signed up to follow Jesus, you gave up your right to your opinion, to think how you want to think. You don't get to think how you want to think about the world, the flesh or the devil. You surrendered that and yourself. You don't go, man, you don't get to think about yourself the way you want to think about yourself. Well, I just don't know if God loves me. You're wrong. Well, I just don't feel like God loves me. I don't feel like God cares. I just feel like he's not really engaged in my life right now, really? You're, you don't think God cares, really? You think God is apathetic and doesn't see your pain and your situation and your sin and your brokenness. You think he's withholding from you. How, 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 I just don't think he cares. Hmm. See, we... This... This is, this is everything. This is our training. Our training flows from this. This is the foundation. This is the fundamentals. This is, this is bedrock. This is, this is everything. This is life. There, you, you, we can be trained by this. This can, tra- this can change the way we think about God and ourselves and the world and everything. This changes everything. This cross changes everything. I'm so far behind, but Jesus is with us. You, you will be a good servant being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Myths. What's a myth? Something that's not true. Quit being obsessed with something that's not true. (laughs) Captain Obvious in the house. Rather, instead of being... Instead of messing with silly myths, train yourself for godliness. You train yourself. Quit putting everything on everyone else. You take ownership of your life in God and begin to train yourself. How? How do I train yourself? You have the word of God. You have prayer. You have the fellowship with the saints. Train yourself. Show up. No, no. See, y'all are not here. Train yourself. I'm here to tell you. I'm here. We're not going to Hey, We're not ending today with a prayer and a thing. I'm ending today with a commissioning to go train yourself. We're not, I'm not praying for you today. I'm not, I'm not praying for a single person today. I don't know that, hey, you guys are not praying for anyone. We're not doing ministry team tonight, today. We're not doing it. I'm telling you to train yourself. I said that, I said that if you need a miracle in your body, (laughs) the caveat, but, but, but if you don't need a miracle in your body, you need to train yourself. If you're sick, if you came because you have a life-threatening thing and you need a miracle in your body, we'll pray for you. That's the only altar call. But I'm telling you now, everyone else, we are not praying for you. You need to train yourself in godliness. Well, what do I do? What do I do? If you don't know what to do, then you start there and you say, I have no idea what to do, and now we're getting somewhere. If you leave here and you're like, I feel so confused, that guy, good, good. Praise God, I didn't just leave you inspired and you just feel all good about yourself. And then you go out into that world and you get beat up. I'm tired of my brothers and sisters getting beat up. I want to tell you right now, I want to tell you there's wars in Israel and the church in America is being shaken and all these things happen, but I want to tell you, I have a simultaneous grief and sorrow in my heart, yet I want to tell you something. I want to confess something to you. My faith is not shaken. I'm going to say it again, but what's happening all around us, my faith isn't shaken. Do you know why? Because my faith isn't in a nation or a man. My faith is in Jesus. Jesus. My faith is in the, in the power of the cross. My faith is in him. Like, I really, my faith is in Jesus. And it doesn't mean I'm immune to the pain of the trials of the world. It doesn't mean I'm immune to it. It means that I'm not moved. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm not going to quit. Okay. Ephesians 6, 12. You guys still with me? If there's a fight, it means that you can win or you can lose. That's point number one. <laughs> we were just in that. You can win or you can lose. If you don't have that rattled around in your head and you don't wake up, you will not live on purpose. You can't live the Christian life without knowing that you can win or you can lose. So who, who are we fighting? Verse 12, for, the, for we do not wrestle... A wrestle is a fight. There is a wrestle. Everyone say, there's a wrestle. wrestle. You get to the end of your day, you feel tired because you wrestled. (laughs) Everyone wrestles. Moms wrestle. Dentists wrestle. Teachers wrestle. Pastors wrestle. There is a common wrestle for Christians. It is a wrestle. It is a wrestle not with people. Some of you get delivered right now. Your spouse, your boss, your son, your daughter, you are not wrestling with them. And if you're wrestling with them, you're wrestling with the wrong person. We spend so much time in counseling talking about the wrestle among two people. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with counseling and godly wisdom and counsel, but if we spend the most of the time talking about the wrestle between us and where I'm coming from and where she's coming from, and we don't talk about the wrestle with the enemy, who's actually the one causing us to wrestle with ourselves, we are missing it. We're not trained for godliness. We're not prepared in godliness. Godliness has to do with God, not manliness. Oh, I hope y'all are hearing me. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There is someone called Satan. He's the accuser of the brethren, and he is your opponent. He's your enemy. And and for there to be a fight, there has to be an arena. There has to be a, a place in which the fight takes place. And you can either have a home game or an away game. And I want to tell you as Christians, it's an away game. Our fight takes place in the world, which is an away game. We are now, now this is no longer our home. We're not, we don't have home field advantage. Look at John sixteen I'm going to just give you Bible and you can write these down and you can you can study these out but i want you to see this John 16 33 so the opponent if you can picture it he's you know he's got his gloves on he's ready to wrestle and 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 he's and he's ready to roll he's going to he works through accusation he works through lies those are his punches those are that's his game he works through lies, accusation, and he works through your eyes, okay? Now you're like, okay, but where are we fighting him? You were fighting him in this world. John 16, this is Jesus. He says, I have said these things to you that in me you, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have trouble, you're going to be in a fight. You know, you walk down an alley, oh, that's trouble. <laughs> if you live in this world, there's trouble. <laughs> but there is a way in God through the gospel to win. To not let the trouble just keep pounding you again and again and again and again. And I'm telling you, I know I'm confronting some of you, but we have had, we have embraced a poverty losing mindset in the Christian church. Well, I just, you know, it's just gonna, and so many of us are discouraged and grumpy and complaining and victims and we're obsessed with what's happening in the world and we're not we don't carry the triumph, the fragrance of triumph, the, the fragrance of joy of those who, listen, I'm not talking about you're immune to the problems. I'm talking about you overcome them. You get smacked and yet something called the grace and new covenant and love of God and the cross, it actually empowers you to go, I forgive you. Oh, I'm not going to, no, I forgive you. It's good. I forgive you. I love you. I forgive you. Yeah, but I just did the most radical. Yeah, I know. I forgive you. It's okay. To say it from integrity, from authenticity, not pretending to forgive, but really you're punishing them relationally. Let's not do that. Amen? Okay, look at what Jesus says in 17. He keeps going about the world. This is the arena, John 17, 14 to 16. He's praying now for his disciples, and he says, God, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world. Yeah, go on. He says, look, look at what he says. What has he given them? I've given them, Father, I've given them your word. Meaning, I taught them how to, how to speak. I, I, I showed them what you're saying. I, he is the word. So he goes, I've given them me. <laughs> I showed them how to walk this thing out. And yet, watch this. Look at what he says. This is so important. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Church, hear me. Get used to people hating you. (laughs) People will hate you. The world will. Those who don't know God, they will hate you. If we are afraid of people hating us, we are saying, okay, I'm on this path to following Jesus. But if you're saying people are going to hate me, I don't know if I want to go on that path. And I feel like what's happened is we've we've said we're going to follow him, but then we want to stay in the starting blocks and just tell him how much we love him. But we're not part of telling him we love him is that we follow him like I want to I want to love him and I want to love him with my voice. But I want to love him with my feet. I want to be willing to walk into situations and not stop walking with God because there's going to be tribulation or hatred or trial or offense. I know this is sobering. Look at what he says. Look what he says. He goes, I don't ask that you take them out of that arena. I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Not that you keep there from being conflict, that you keep them from the evil one overcoming them, subduing them, trampling them, because we will confront. He says, the gates of hell will not prevail against the revelation of Jesus as Christ, the church. Amen? Amen. And so he's saying, they're in the world. This is the arena. The devil is at work. He goes, don't take them out of the battle. Hey, hey, uh, Peter, Satan asked to sift you like wheat and Peter interrupts him. And you you said, nah, right? You told him "Nah, right? Hey, hey, Peter, come here. I got to tell you something. Had this kind of thing. I was with the prayer and then Satan actually came to me and said, Oh my gosh, Lord, Satan. Yeah, Satan came to me and he he asked he asked a favor and I Yeah yeah. What did he say? He he wants to sift you like wheat. Oh nah yeah, you told yeah, you get what'd you do? You punched him, right? You did the thing. <clears throat> Shh. I prayed. What do you mean you prayed. Well, you prayed and you rebuked him. I prayed that your faith wouldn't fail. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, you're, you're actually, you're up. You're the, you're the headliner. You're on the card. You got to get the gloves on. You got you to gotta go toe to toe. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because you're made to win. I believe in you. I believe in you and I've prayed for you. I'm le- hey, you saw me whoop up on the devil while I was here. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. You're going to get sifted like wheat. You're going to go through this thing. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be painful. It's going to be, it's going to be ouch. It's not going to feel the warm fuzzies. It's going to be ouch. What was the pain? The pain was Peter denied Jesus. That was the sifting. and In his denial, he was confronted with the exact same thing Judas was confronted with. Two men betrayed Jesus. Judas and Peter, only one found repentance. Romans 8. We're just going to let it be today. Romans 8. So you've got the devil working in the world. And then how is this fight playing out? Look at this. Romans 8, 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Listen carefully. The mind that is set, that is constantly thinking about the flesh. What's another word for the flesh? Yourself. The mind that's always thinking about itself, the flesh, is neutral towards God, is just kind of in cruise control. Is that what it says? So the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile, hostile, meaning when you allow, because maybe you didn't know that you were in a fight, maybe you didn't know how to fight, but when you allow... Like if I was teaching you soccer and I'm like, if you allow your leg just to do this, the ball's going to go that way. So you can't allow your leg to go. You have to, your leg has to go towards the target. If you allow your mind to go towards the flesh, fundamentally, you are now, you are now making it incapable for you to walk the Christian life. You can't. It's hostile. It's now, you're now contending with God. Why? Why? How, how, how can that be? That seems unfair. It's fair because of this cross. It's what Larissa preached. He who knew no sin became sin. He took on flesh. He took on our flesh. He took on all of our selfishness. Why? So that we could become the righteousness of God. So he lays a a literal fork in the road, a cross, and he goes, you've got two paths. You can walk by the flesh or you can walk by the spirit. And if you walk by the Spirit, it means that your mind is set on the things that are above, that you've trained your mind. Everyone say, trained your mind. Means you don't allow yourself to go down those neural pathways. Come on, Dr. Caroline Leaf. The neural pathways that you're going down. We can know all about the neural pathways, but if you don't change them and renew your mind by the Spirit to the Word of God, nothing happens. I want to bless you. You are not a slave to your flesh anymore. I I gotta give you, I've been I've been asking the question, and I gotta give you the answer. Those verse eight, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So you have a real devil, a real world, and a real flesh. So what do we do? I'm just going to point to it, and then you can go train yourself in this. And I'm telling you if, you, if you follow these verses out, you will get drilled this week in the glory of God. You'll have an encounter with the Lord, and you'll share it with your spouse, and it'll be awesome. I'm telling you, we're, we're going to say amen here in about seven minutes, and it's going to feel like, oh, whoa, did, we, did we do anything? Yes, we did. <laughs> We've prepared you for the battle this week. All right. So we got to deal with the world. How does the cross deal with the world? Galatians 6. This cross, this cross, look at me. The truth and the word of the cross, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, it's either it's folly to those who are perishing or it's the power of God to those who are being saved. So Paul says it this way. He goes, it pleased God to save those through the folly of what we preach. So I just, I just painted this crazy picture of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and God goes, hey, you want to know the answer? You want to know how to fight? This cross. And you're like, how does a bloody Jewish man on a cross who claimed to be the Son of God, who is the Son of God, how does that help me fight the world, the flesh, and the devil? And that is where our training begins. I'm telling you, if you're going to sleep and you're like, oh, this is so much, this is where our training begins. This is the, this is the crux of our training. Galatians 6, verse 14, Paul says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why would you boast in that? He says, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What's he saying? saying, the world that hates me, I died to that a long time ago. The world that offers me fame, the world that offers me as he's following the Sanhedrin and and studying under Gamaliel and wanting a name for himself and glory for himself. See, that's what the world offers. The world offers you a kingdom for yourself, a name for yourself. And the world cares when people... See, in the world system, if people hate you, that's bad. (laughs) Why? Because it means you have a bad name. You're worried about your name. You're worried about your name. Well, they hate me. What about my name? Your name. I'm not, I'm not living for my name. So what does it mean to be crucified to the world? It means that when you understand the love of God that comes to you through the cross, you now have, you now have forsaken and given up every desire to have a name in the world to have a kingdom in this world, to have something in this world that you go, well, this is mine, well, this is mine. He goes, no, 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 I'm not gonna boast in anything except in the cross. But make no mistake, he did boast in the cross. He did brag in the cross. This cross can take a nasty, corrupted, sinful jar of clay and put treasure inside of it. This cross can make you A dangerous man or woman of God. This cross, I'm telling you, if you deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him. He will take your vessel of clay that you may feel is dishonorable. And how could God use this? Oh, the cross. And he actually wants us to boast in the cross. Do you know we were meant to celebrate when you win? I like winning. I like it when something, when, when a trial comes to me and I come out the other side and I have offered forgiveness and I've walked in love. I like that. Oh, I like it. And I also don't like it when a trial comes and I'm like, man, it just gets on top of me and I get, I'm, it derails me for three weeks because I'm in my flesh and I'm, oh, I'm so tired. I don't like that. That feeling is terrible. And it impacts my relationships and it impacts my, what I do. But I want, to, I want to prophesy to you, you can be crucified to the world. You can be free of the world. Well, but Peter, what about my flesh? Just go up a little bit. Verse 24 of chapter 5 in Galatians. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Your flesh has desires and passions that are opposed to God. And you're not a slave to them. And I'm telling you right now, as a, as a, as a pastor, I know in many of us, we have never, we feel justified. I want to say this. And I'm going to take another couple minutes. I'm going to go right up to the time. We feel justified in the wrestle that we have with our flesh. Well, yeah, but I just, I'm struggling with this because, because I want this and I've, and I had this happen. And, and what we're saying is, we're, we're, the justification is actually there because we don't have the cross. H- how do I say this again? Uh, we feel somehow comfortable continuing to wrestle ongoing forever, perpetually with our flesh. Can I tell you, as Christians, You do not have to live as slaves for your flesh in this life. 1 Corinthians 15, 56, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. Romans 6, 14, for sin will have no dominion over you. Why? Because you're not under law, but under grace. Sin will have no what? Can you imagine Monday morning, Sunday night, Walking around, and you can testify. You could confess, "Hey, sin has no dominion over me." Until we can get comfortable talking that way amongst each other, and not going, "Well, wait a minute," and have a crooked eye. Well, he, he's he's saying sin has no dominion. Well, well, come on. People give the crooked eye when you start talking about freedom. I'm serious. Then, then, what, then, then, then let's interpret and exposit. We're going to end here. I'm telling you, I know we're training. We're, we're boxing today. We're like, we're in it. I hope you're sweating with me. I'm sweating a little bit. First John 5. For everyone, who, first John 5, 4. I'm going to break this podium. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. If you're not praising right now, This is our confession. Everyone. Say everyone. everyone. Born, of God. Born of God. Overcomes the world. Means you come out at the end and it's well done, good and faithful servant. You made it. You, you triumphed. You did it. You did it. You overcame. Come on. We need a picture, church. This is our prophetic destiny. I know the end of the story. I come up from the wilderness. I know the end of the story. Come on. We sing it. We're like, yay, we're singing it. You know why you're singing it like that? Because you were made to come up leaning on your beloved. (laughs) You were made to win. You were made to live in this life. And that's our hope. We're not made to, well, we're just going to hope he comes back soon. You know, Israel's in war and everything's how I just hope he. No, no, no. You were made to be like, we're going to win this thing. Why? Because I've been born of God. And then look at this. He gives us, he, he, he connects it, all the dots. And this is the victory. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith, our faith means, have, listen, listen to me. I know we don't like this. I know, have faith in God. I'm telling you, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith, have faith, have faith. Like, believe God. You're like, ah, this feels hard. No, 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 it's not hard. You have faith in him. That's my daughter, Faith. And she is dangerous. She is dangerous. We are raising her with this theology. And she's dangerous. We're teaching her this. This is impacting our elementary school, our neighborhood. There's a girl's Bible study that some of them, and they went around flyers. They wrote flyers with scriptures on them and made pictures and they handed them out to neighbors. They're like of their own volition. Hey, dad, can we do this? Yes, you may. <laughs> you may spread the gospel of Jesus Christ with your pictures. It's pure, it's simple. Why? Where? How did you get them to do that? I didn't get them to do that. We're just all looking at one thing. (laughs) And we're trying to submit our lives to this cross. All right? Are we good? If you're wondering about the devil, Hebrews 2, I'll just give it to you right now, because I love it. (laughs) Likewise, he took on flesh and blood. Yeah, you put it up there. The children share in flesh and blood. He himself, Jesus, took of the same things. Why? So that through death he might destroy. Ha. He might destroy. Jesus destroyed who? The one who has the power of death. Who who are you talking about? That is the devil. (laughs) Well, the devil, I'm in a fight with the battle. Okay. Well, then you need to get back to the victory because he has been destroyed, how, through this. But if you don't live with a mindset of this, you will live as though the devil's powerful. Oh, I will throw this cross at you. If you do not fill your mind, I know, I know too soon. If you don't don't fill your mind with this cross, you will live as though the devil's powerful lurking at every bush. I live with the reality that there is one who defeated the devil on the cross. And I'm constantly renewing my mind to that why, so I can be delivered from the fear of death. Amen? Amen? Hey, I love you. I talk to people I love this way. I mean that from my heart. I love you. And I want you, I want you to fight this. I know there's marriage. I know there's, I know there's all kinds of issues in life. And what I'm telling you is that this is life for you. If you can take this, like Peter, ponder that. Jesus said, hey, you've been asked to sift, but I pray that your faith wouldn't fail. And that's my prayer for you this week, that your faith wouldn't fail. That's my prayer. Father, help us that our faith would not fail in these times of trial. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need a miracle in your body, come up. The ministry team will be there. Do not come up otherwise. I love you.
1: If this episode spoke to you and you want continued training on how to live out the gospel, I want to encourage you to subscribe to the Braveheart podcast because every week we're posting messages like this. And our goal is that you would be strong and mature in your faith and that you would overcome the world. We love you. Bless you. See you next week.